Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of the Make, Make, Make podcast. This is Josh Baker. Uh, with us today, we have Leah Chima like a cheetah. Chima? Chima like a cheetah? Chima like a cheetah. Yeah. Um, and Leah has been a Team Blue. I don't know. She's been modeling for us for like some workshops a long time ago. Um, I also, I, full disclosure, I have two pieces of her art hanging in my house. Um, and so that's what this, the, this show's all about, right? We're finding artists, people to spotlight, um, people that I think do really cool things. And Leah has a new project, and that's what we want to talk to her about today. So Leah, tell us about yourself. Yeah, about myself. And what you're doing. What'd you say? And what I'm doing? Yeah, and what you're doing now. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm Leah Chima. What's up? What's up? I um, lived in Austin almost 11 years, which is insane. I hail from Iowa, small little town in Iowa. Uh, But I've always been creative in my head. Always been creative there. And trying to bring it out to the world has been quite the journey for me. And I recently, um, in March actually, interesting timing, <laughs> but I, I launched um, a helmet company, a custom helmet company called Knock and Noggins in March. And I chose March because that is uh, Brain Injury Awareness Month. And um, what I do is I make, I put my artwork on helmets to make them cool and stylish so people actually want to wear them because, you know, a helmet doesn't work unless you put it on your head. So my goal yep. is to change the stigma of helmets being dorky and nerdy and make them stylish so people will actually wear them and um, be able to rep their style when they're staying safe. So that's what I've been doing the past four or five months. It's been keeping me really busy. That's awesome. And where can people find out more about that? So knockinnoggins.com is our website. Um, okay. it's I'll knockin, put a link in the show notes. There's no G, knockinnoggins, right? Um, we also <laughs> do have a Facebook and an Instagram that kind of uh, says the same thing, but our website's pretty inclusive on there. So. so I understand that you're doing art on helmets. Like what, how, how did you get to be doing that? Like that seems, seems. yeah, there's, there's, yeah. there's a story, there's a story there. there. There is a story there. How much time do you have? Uh, <laughs> plenty, <laughs> plenty, plenty. So, um, okay. Two years ago, next month, actually, this is insane to think about August 7th of 2018. I was in a freak accident um, where I a helmet could have saved my life um, or helped save my life. I was on one of those scooters, those electric scooters that litter the town, right? It was my first time on one, never been on one. We weren't doing anything wrong. We were just leaving dinner and my friends were ahead of me and four days later, I gain consciousness. Um, so what happened was apparently nobody really knows cause I was behind them, but, um, I was in a, it was a single, um, in the vehicle, a single scooter, just me. I must've hit something funny and tuck and rolled and long story short, I sustained three skull fractures, three brain bleeds. I was on a respirator, I guess in a coma a little bit, um, not for, Super long, but long enough. Nobody wants to be in that if you can choose, right? It, one second seems long, like too long for that, right? I think it, it is, yeah. right? And so I was in the ICU, the shock trauma unit, for about a week and then spent another two to three weeks um, in the rehab hospital before I was able to get the clear to not be in the hospital. But then for at least a year after that, it was lots of cognitive rehab and uh, a brain injury is not like a broken leg. Um, it's something that kind of 
it doesn't fix. So people, you know, would say, are you back to normal? Well, there's no normal really after that, right? It's uh, it's different. It's, it's, it's learning um, how to live your life around what you are now, right? So right. anyways, um, while I was in the hospital, this is funny because at that time, anybody who's experienced um, a severe concussion or um, brain injury of any kind, you don't remember a lot of that time, right? I don't remember a lot of those six months. It's kind of like I remember things, but some things you don't. But I do remember my friend coming in, and he's a great friend of mine. He came into the hospital with a helmet. He also had about 25 get well soon letters in his other hand, but he came in with a helmet and he was like, too <laughs> soon? And he was, you know, silly. And we laugh about it because he's a great friend of mine. But I saw this helmet and he, and he said, he's not a super creative dude, but he was like, you know, I was thinking maybe you could make this your own and then uh, wear it on your bike or something. And so I looked at that helmet and that's kind of how the idea got started when I was recovering from the hospital, I'm like, well, why don't scooters have helmets? Why don't rent-a-bikes have helmets? Why don't people my age wear helmets? Why is it only cool for kids to wear helmets? Why are we telling our kids to do something that we're not doing? It's like telling your kids to eat broccoli, but you're like, oh, I don't want it, I don't want it. Like, they're not gonna do it, right? So that's how that started. It's funny, I, I do eat broccoli and I try to get my kids to eat broccoli, but they ride their scooters and bikes and I make them wear helmets. And they're like, Dad, you need to wear a helmet. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Right? It's this weird okay. stigma that okay. um, that needs to be undone. And, you know, I kind of think, you never think twice about carrying a water bottle around with you, right? Right. It's so right. like a water bottle and you stick stickers on it. You make it your own. We carry around, like, in Texas, right, 64-ounce water bottles everywhere <laughs> we go. But you don't think twice about that. Why do we think twice about a helmet? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it, when I when I do when I do put on my rollerblades because I'm an old man now. When I do put on rollerblades, the helmet comes on because, yeah, I, I used to skate a lot. Now I sk- skate a little, and <laughs> those skills haven't come all the way back. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said about like you know living with it too, and not this isn't the same level. But when I was I don't know 25, 26 years old, I had vertigo, and I had vertigo. I had vertigo for like six weeks. And last night, my my six year old was on my back, and I was just walking him to bed. You know, piggyback ride to bed, no big deal. And I set him down and I kind of turned my head down and I was like, gosh, you got to get off. You got to get off. And he's like, what? And the whole room was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's 17 years ago. And I'll still get like waves of just like nausea room spins. And it's just like, ooh. And used to like, I used to, I can remember as a kid, I'd, I'd be in my living room and I'd spin in circles for like an hour. And that was just calming to me. And now it's like, oh man, if I did that now, I would be out for a week. Dude, vertigo is no joke. I, I, um, had some vertigo therapy while I was Mm. in my rehab and it was one of the weirdest slash awful slash helpful things ever. They essentially did you lay there and they make you lay in the spot that makes you feel really dizzy and uneasy. And then they take your neck and shoulders and just shake you. Okay, I'm sure it's a lot more medical than that. But, um, I mean, this woman was amazing. She's like, listen, this is terrible, but just trust me, it's going to be better. And I was like, "Ah." right? It's like the spins after drinking, and you're like, I didn't have a sip of alcohol. What? What? That's exactly how I explain it. I was like, have you ever been so drunk the room spins? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, now imagine that without the fun of being drunk. You're not, there's no fun. <laughs> yeah. fun. For six weeks. I remember my wife had to come. It happened to me at work 
and my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, uh, had to come pick me up to drive me home. And she was going like 10 miles an hour. And I was like, I was like, you got to slow down. She's like, my foot's not on the gas. She's like, I can't go any slower. My head was out the window and it was just. That was for six full weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I remembered like six months later, I thought I was better. And I was like, well, I'll go play golf. You know, no big deal. And I had to walk off the course after the third hole because the whole, like that down swing when my head's down in that movement. And I was like, nope, can't do it. So I got through three holes and I haven't really played golf since because that motion just, it activates it. Yeah. But, and, and that's, that's a very small thing. I, did, I, I didn't lose consciousness for four days. Um, but, but it's talking about how things happen and you have to kind of live with it and move forward. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, um, I was calling it a new normal, which is super mm-hmm. interesting because it was really hard to explain to people. And then COVID happened a year and a half later. (laughs) And so, but it's relatable to people, right? And people, um, you know, they say and ask things without being aware of what they're saying or asking. And you're like, oh, it's kind of offensive. Um, I guess I'll just say it now to anybody listening. It's kind of not cool um, when somebody does something and be like, oh, well, you're back to normal, right? You look like it. Especially when it's a mental thing. Like you want to even, but you're, you're, they're trying to be nice. And that's the thing. You're trying to be nice and you don't know unless somebody tells you, right? And so it's kind of like if somebody's depressed and you'd be like, oh, well, you're back to normal now, right? Oh, you wouldn't ever say that to somebody like that. You're like, ooh, or. No, just, just be happy. Just be happy. Don't be depressed. Just, just be happy. Uh, or like right now, right? Millions of people without jobs are like, just go find a job. You're like, uh, well, not that easy. There's this funny, or not funny. Funny is not the right word. Let me try that again. There's an interesting um, concept that I have been trying to put my finger on this from um, people talking to me after about getting hurt. Um, and it's called toxic positivity. And Ooh, I just um, saw that today. today. Really? So it's, I think it's coming, it's coming more into full force because of the isolation that people are feeling, but it's, mm-hmm. fa- it's a fantastic concept. And that's kind of what was happening is I, I'm a positive person by nature. You know that I, yeah, I yeah. just, that's how I enjoy living my life. And that's how it's always been for me. I'm more of a glass half full kind of person. Um, yep. however, when you are, you know, being vulnerable and somebody asks you a question, you're like, well, you know, I struggle with this and this. And they say something, well, well, I mean, at least you have a dog. You're like, what? Or, well, at least you can walk. Yeah, yeah. You're not realizing you're dismissing that person's entire feeling concept. You're just like, oh, well, whatever. You were just telling me something serious. But you're not trying to do that. You're trying to be nice and trying to just keep it up because you know me as this positive person. It's like, well, if you're going to ask me a question, I'm going to have a real conversation with you. Yeah. No, no, I mean, and it's, I I mean, I think we're, we're a lot on the same wavelength. I I get through life with energy and effort. Right. I mean, that's how I've done every project I've ever done. It's like full, like hundred percent, let's go, let's do it. Um, you know, but I get the sads, right? Like there's there's days days where I can do (laughs) You know, there's days I'm a hundred percent and I'm, I'm all about it and knocking stuff out. And then with this pandemic, there's days where I couldn't get off the couch. And I think those are both valid emotions. And if somebody was like, well, Josh, just get back to normal. I'm like, um, that was normal for me. Like that, that is normal. Like I'm an artist. I have good days and I have bad days. And dismissing, dismissing both kind of makes them both invalid. And it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like as a creative, I was going to go that route too. As a creative, as an artist, like 
our highs and lows are a little bit higher and lower than um, other professions, which is why we can make art, right? Because a lot of the art does come from those lows when you're just like, I am somewhere that I don't want to be much. And that's sometimes where I come up with my best ideas. Like I force myself to put pen to paper and you're like, whoa, this just happened, right? Or your highs, right? So, yeah. I mean, mean, to be... 100% 100% transparent. Uh, a camera for me is my therapy. It's, I can remember some very dark times in my life and my camera was what got me through. It was going out. It was forcing me to go out. If you want to take landscape photos, you have to leave your house. Right. And you have to be in nature. Right. If you want to take portraits, you have to go talk to somebody. And I was, I had got let go from a job and then long story short, the the whole company went under. Um, and I was just, you know, the front of that wave, but you know, I was going through some dark time and trying to fu- you know figure out my worth and my cameras, what got me through it. Cause it gave me a reason to go talk to people. I don't hang out with people. I'll be, I'll be real honest. Like I don't, I don't go and like hang out. I have a wife, I have kids. I'm home a lot. If I want to see somebody, I schedule a shoot with them. Seriously, or I schedule, or I schedule a podcast, podcast with them. Hi, hey. hi, Leah. How you doing? No, but like I, I interface through work. Like I interface through my creations, uh, through podcasts, through live streams, through for for doing shoots. Like I don't. Otherwise, I, I'm home with my kids. I'm gone so much. Like it's or my wife, right? And what's crazy about that? I've known my. I don't know if you know this. I've known my wife since kindergarten. Oh, that's cute. I know that's cute. It's saccharine, but. You know, like we still enjoy each other. Like after we, you know, we've been together since the quarantine, like every day, and you know, we still like, hey, how you doing? And we'll talk for like still hours. Um, also, make good partner choices. Your life will be better. <laughs> um, but she knows that I have to create. She knows that I have to like get things out of my system, or else they kind of fester out. Um, and so, for all you creatives listening, you know, keep working. I think working through it um, is the only way through. Is working through. Right. The only way to survive is through. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the experience that I've been having during this is like every every helmet that I do is a custom helmet. Right. Um, right. For that specific person. Mm. So Josh would be like, I want a helmet. It's like, cool. Well, here, fill out this form and it gives me a little bit of an idea. And then we start this conversation and it's like I get to make you a gift. Sure, you're paying me for it. Right. But I get to make exactly what you want to something that's going to help you. And it's right. so cool coming up with these ideas together. And it's just that kind of connection that you're talking about, like when you're shooting someone, right? You're bringing yep. out sides of them that they didn't know are possible, right? I've been shot by you before. And it's like, whoa, cool. Like, you know, you, you, you bring out this bit of self-confidence. And it's kind of like with this, it's like, no, you, you have an idea. I, I'm not giving you the idea. But right. I'm going to help you, like, pull it out of your yeah. brain and you're like, whoa, I helped create that. Yeah, you did. I was just the, the medium to put it on there for you, but it's your brainchild. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's so funny hearing you say kind of your intake, right? That's kind of your artist intake. And literally, I just, I, this happens on every shoot for me just about. So for me, like for you, with, with, your, with your art tools, you can make almost anything, right? And for me with a camera, I can do a whole bunch of different things. 
and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Choices can be hard for me. So for a way to limit myself, I, I start asking questions like, oh, cool. Do you like indoor or outdoor photos? Oh, well, I really like indoor. Cool. Do you like more like modern or this or rustic? Oh, cool. Like rustic. What's an adjective that you want to like see in these photos when we get done? Like, oh, well, I want, you know, vibrant. I'm like, oh, cool. I can do, you know, that. And so I walk them down the path. And by the end, I'm like, this is your shoot. Like, I'm just, I'm just there to facilitate. So it's funny hearing... One of the things of doing this this podcast, interviewing people, is how how similar things are that we think are different. So you know, oh, photographer, painter, right? Those are different, but the process is so much the same, and and what we go through to work with clients, it's so much the same. That's actually why I'm doing this whole podcast because I also want to talk about like, cool, how do you make money doing the thing you love, right? Um, and we'll get to that in a second, but. And it's, it's always refreshing to hear that we have, you know, we're walking clients through the process. And I think, and, and it's always, I always have people tell me like, oh, well, you're the creative one. I'm like, I mean, I, I am, but you're also creative and to give yourself some credit too. Exactly. I, uh, you know, Josh, one thing that changed my life is it's really silly, but um, it's this uh, service called Typeform. Like type okay. form. Yep. Okay. Um, there's a free version and there's a pay version, and I use a pay version. But you can make a form for anything. It sounds mm-hmm. very mundane to you right now, but that's what I use on my website because the way that I start is it's okay. What helmet do you want? And it shows two options. Do you want a custom design or an original design? What do you want that design? So you're talking about, um, you know. Uh, talking to these people on what they want their aesthetics and you can put in pictures to show them the difference because if you would tell me Leah do you want something more vibrant or this I'm like I don't know and that's when I would (laughs) say I don't know you tell me but really you're like well I can do either and just showing them examples and it just it will give you everything that that person says and then it gets you on the right track as opposed it cuts out because as you know and a lot of creatives know Um, There's a lot of back and forth when you're doing something custom. Like when I had my own painting business, that was the hardest part is doing custom work. It was so much back and forth and so much of my time invested because people are like, oh, I don't know. Just come up with a quote. So you realize that takes like two hours for it takes a while for me to research and figure these kind of things out. Um, So but people don't know that and they don't know that unless you tell them. It kind of takes a little bit of time. So we just have to be smart because creatives not are not necessarily the most organized, right? So that kind of came from my, um, a little more of my corporate uh, work is being able to get those organizational patterns down and Typeform has really helped me. A little plug for Typeform. No, that's cool. No, it's cool. I mean, I, I'm glad you said it because people are, I, I get asked all the time, like, hey, what software are you using? What, you know, da, 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 da. So it's good to have examples of those things. And I think limiting choice actually leads to faster success. So I only give people two choices and then I'll move and then I'll move down. So they're, they're like, Hey, when are you available? I don't say oh, I'm available all the time. I say, I can, I can do Friday night or I can do Sunday morning. Which one of those do you prefer? Oh, I prefer Sunday morning. Cool. Do you prefer, you know, inside, outside? Oh, this and that. And just walk them down that, 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 that path. Because otherwise if you gave people a hundred choices, they would just, it, it would overload a little. But they, they don't know. They're like, oh, wow, whoa, whoa, oh, it's like overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That, that's exactly right. Something else you, you mentioned about the toxic positivity that it kind of triggered in my brain, jumping back a little bit. Um, 
I used to coach, I don't know if you know, I used to coach marathoners and I've run a bunch of marathons and stuff. And one of the things they have to, to warn people on, especially the people that run, you know, maybe like five, six hour marathons. Um, do you know that water can be poisonous? If you drink too much? Yeah, it's yeah. called hyponatremia. Um, and so people get so, water's great, it's life-giving, but if you drink too much in a short period of time, it actually changes uh, like your salt levels and it becomes toxic. And you can actually, more, more people in a marathon will die from hyponatremia than from dehydration because they get so concerned about not drinking enough water that they overdrink um, and they overdrink something good and too much of a good thing will literally kill you. Wow. Yeah. So that, 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 that's that example. Holy cow. What's that? That's a life lesson on a lot of things. It is. I, I grew up Swedish Lutheran. And so it's very like in the middle, right? It's always like, I just, just, you know, be kind of good. Don't be great. Just be, you know, just be, just be above, slightly above average. You know, that was always our, like my wife and I grew up in the same church and like, it was so weird. She's a musician and they would play and like, nobody would clap. Like after a performance, everybody would just be like, okay, okay. that, was, that nice. was nice. Oh, that's hard. Oh, it's hard, right? right? I know, but it's just that very, just like, just a little bit, like you can, you know, you can have a beer, but you know, have one, you know, don't, don't, don't be crazy. And it's very like this, like very like middling, like nothing, nothing on the, on the edges. So just stay in the middle, just stay, stay in, the, in middle. the middle. Can you imagine like any of your art, like giving it to somebody and they're like, okay, I would cry. Oh. I would literally just cry. And I'd be like, either hate it or love it. Don't yes. give me that. Choose one. Yes, that's. I tell people all the times like you can say I hate this thing, I love this thing. Don't go. It's fine. Ugh, ugh, just just shiv me with a samurai sword now. Like that. That's. I'm done. I'm done. Oh man. So, yeah, yeah, that's so true. See, artists of all walks. Like we just we just want a response. Yeah. We just want a response. I, I heard a great quote, and I've said it on the podcast before, but um, I was listening to an author, and they talked that that artists are the cultural sponges. That, that we're the filter and we to and it shows people who aren't ours how to react to something. Oh. Right. So so we we take in and we sponge out, right? We take we soak up and we out, but we act as like the cultural barrier, right? So so if you if you look at what the artists are doing, you'll see where the movement will be in five years. Woo! That's cool. Right? Right. Yeah. yeah artists artist always are, of all walks. We're on the leading edge, right? Look at like science fiction writers, right? How did, uh, you know, I, I like a lot of science fiction, but, the, you know, people predicted where things were going to go. They didn't predict the car, but they predicted the traffic, right? That some device was going to be out there that's going to allow you to do this. And because of that, there's going to be traffic, right? So, I don't know, authors, you know, sculptors, painters, photographers, you know, The writers whatever. of the Simpsons. <gasps> yeah. For yeah. real though, that's, it's like eerie. Time travel's real. real. Time travel's real. real. Yeah, hey. Is that kind of cool though? Like that's yeah. a creative person right there. The writers of the Simpsons, that's creative. And they've yeah. predicted lots of things. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy that the show's still going. Like it's become, I'm like, is it still, it's still going really? Okay. Cause I remember watching that show. I'm, I'll be 42 this year and I can remember watching it like in elementary school. Yeah. It's gotta be going on 30 years, right? Yeah. 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 Crazy. crazy. That's crazy. 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 So part of this, podcast is talking about making the art, which I love. I love your art. Um, the other part is like, how do you make money so that you can sustain yourself to, to create the art? And from, from knowing what I know of you, you kind of have a couple different ways that you're, you're not all making your money all from art. 
I know you do stuff with like Camp Gladiator and different things. So how many different sources of, of, of jobs do you have? Well, okay, it's technically two. They fall into two buckets, right? I have personal okay. training and I have art. Okay. So um, okay. I've done it both ways. And um, I, for about two years, I survived just on my art business. But I ran wow. into a couple problems with that. Um, personally, problems with that. Uh, it kind of, when I, the way that I paint is I do put like my heart and my soul into what I'm painting. And regard, it's hard to separate that emotion, right? And then if you can't make something, right, sometimes you have creative blocks or you don't can't make it the way you want to make it. It's this emotional experience or you'll go you, three commissions one month and then nothing for three months. And you're like, ah, and it kind of takes the fun out of it. So then when you want to just create to create, it's it's work, right? Yeah. So um, for me, always having kind of two little two things has, has helped me. There's always one that's going to overpower the other. And um, I'm hoping eventually knocking noggins will overpower my personal training. Um, but right now I teach group fitness classes and yoga in that personal training kind of realm. And I do that to, through different things. So I okay. teach Camp Gladiator for the fitness. I teach yoga um, at a gym and so, and I have some personal clients. So I, I like I that. I like that. I I didn't know you did the, the yoga coaching. I, that is new. So um, last year, I, I take a trip now every August on my survive-aversary is what I call it. <laughs> and it's, it's honestly, it's a thing for me to remember you have a second chance at life. Don't screw it up. And so last year, I went to Costa, uh, Costa Rica and got yoga teacher training certified. Cool. So um, I did that last year, which is cool. And I just, I love that. And, um, that sounds awesome. But, but so, um, but to go back to circle back on making, making the monies, right? Um, I think it's, it's one putting, putting a lot of boundaries up to yourself, right? You have to have your boundaries. Um, and then also not, I think there's something like going all in, there's something about that, but it's also being smart about those choices. Cause if you're going all in on a creative endeavor on your passion, with nothing to back it up, it's gonna make your passion now become work and you don't want that, right? Whenever yeah. I make a helmet, it's awesome. It's awesome because it's my like outlet, I'm like, ooh, this is cool. But you need to know your worth. I think one of the hardest things is knowing how to price your, your work. What does that mean? I'm sure you dealt with that too, Josh. Like, All what, the time. what do we price? And you know, it's my friend. I want a friends and family rate and this, well, your friends and family want to see you succeed, right? Yep. I think it's cool, like giving them a kickback of some kind, but just holding your self-worth on how much are you worth an hour? How much are you worth an hour? How much is your talent worth an hour? And I think doing it from there, that's really helped me to not overprice or underprice, you know, and thinking how much effort are you pouring into that? Like I'm an empathic person. So when I'm, I'm giving my all, I'm giving my all to the point where if I, I'm not lying to you, the, the other week I did like three or four helmets in a weekend. Then one day I'm, I just slept the whole day. I just okay. was, I was beat because it takes it out of me. So that's a day where you can't work. So you just got to know who you are as a person um, for that. I don't know if that makes it, sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I, as a photographer, one of the, I'm very middle. And I, I not, I mean, I just said the Swedish Lutheran thing, but um I'm very middle in a lot of ways. So like, I think most people would, would assume that I am, um, what's the word? Extroverted. And I am, but I'm also introverted. You're introverted extrovert. That's me. 
Right. And so, but in a lot of ways, like on my SATs, I got the exact same score on math as I did on English. Like I, I, I was raised by, you know, my mother and my two older sisters. And so I'm a man, but I'm very comfortable around women. Like I, I know way more than I should, um, as most guys do. Um, and so I've always kind of been in this like middle ground. I was, I was raised in the country, but then we moved into the city of 20,000. Um, and I was always too city for my country friends. And I was always a little too country for my city friends. And I was an athlete, but I was a nerd. So among my nerds, I was the best athlete. And among the, and the athletes, I was the biggest nerd. And so I've always walked this like weird middle path. I didn't have a group of friends. I was the link between lots of groups. That was, that was always kind of me, but with photography and kind of what you're talking about specifically, like yesterday I went and shot and it was really hot. And like today, all I want to do is sit and edit. And so like, I can go like one or two days of like full bore shooting. And then I need like a day in a cave and my, and my cave is editing. And that's my rhythm is like extrovert Monday, introvert Tuesday, extrovert Wednesday, introvert Thursday. And I know not to schedule shoots back to back like that because I'll, if I can, you know, but I, I, I need that like rejuvenation time. Um, because otherwise, yeah, I get, well, that's how group fitness classes are for me. Like I'll be in front of 40, 50 people yeah. and you are on regardless. If you want to yeah. be, you are on. Yeah. And then to be able to just do some art. Well, you can even see my body language when I say it and then you're here. Yeah. Like I get it. It's a, that ebb and flow. Yeah. You know, and I think for most people in life, finding that right are my, my job, what I do photography kind of dictates that in a sense. Um, but I think for most people who don't, you know, if you go to work every day, what's your balance, you know, what's, what's, what's your counterweight, you know, what's that thing you're doing, to, you know, the yin to the yang, whatever uh, analogy you want to use, but you need to have something to counteract sitting in a chair. I know that my, my fastest marathons were when I had an office job because I couldn't, because I couldn't wait to get out the door and go run because I'd been sitting in a desk for eight hours in a cubicle. Can you imagine me sitting in a cubicle working on Excel spreadsheets for three years? No, that sounds awful. It's awful, but I did it. And, but I got, I got really good at running marathons too. Cause all, that's all I wanted to do was go out and run and be wild. And now, and now that I have a job that I work, you know, a whole lot on running's not that important to me because I'm finding it, you know, my job's very physical a, to begin with, I'm carrying a lot of gear and I'm, I'm moving and I'm doing stuff. So my job takes a, it's more integrated, um, instead of being a discrete, my, my fitness isn't discreet anymore. My, my fitness comes from carrying sandbags to the shoot, you know, <laughs> walking hundreds of yards with 50 pounds of sandbags. So, um, that's a whole nother discussion though, about like fitness now is so discreet from the things we do throughout our day. Right. And that's why you're seeing like retail fitness be such a business now, right? Like orange theory or, you know, whatever. Um, because people aren't farmers anymore, right? People aren't working with their hands or doing that. Right. We have office jobs where we sit and look at a screen all day. Well, then we really want to go out and do those things. And so we have to segment out our time, but that's a whole nother discussion. I don't want to, that's not really where I want to go. Um, Be the best person for that one. <laughs> yeah, I know it's okay. Um, so, so with the helmets and stuff, you know, how many could you do? How many could you do a week? I mean, so 
that that is to be determined right now because I haven't hit my maximum yet. Um, it kind of it kind of depends. So I the su- the supply and demand is going to be a gradual is going to be a gradual thing, right? Because I um, like I said, I think two weeks ago I had four to do in a week, um, mm-hmm. which I mean is easy. I could do one, two, three a day. Um, okay. It just kind of depends on what's there and. The, the motivation for them is, is very high right now. Um, sure. I have some some uh, original designs, I call them, where there's about eight designs on my website that you're like, I want this one. And it's like, cool, do you want any minor changes? No. Those ones I can pump out real easy. So those nice. ones are going to be a little more, uh, just a little cheaper because I know how long they take me. And I have the, the I have the means to do that one in a quick turnaround. Now the custom ones, I can use a helmet that somebody already owns. So I have one. I'm pointing at it. I have one um, up there. It's somebody's ski helmet, and so I'm gonna work on that one this week because she's like, I already have this helmet that I want. Can you make something on that? So um, I also have have that option. Or uh, if you want something completely out of the box, it's gonna take a little bit longer. So, um, I haven't hit my max yet, so I can't tell you that. <laughs> yeah. And you said you started this in March, is that right? In March. That's when I launched. Okay. So that's, that's a great question then in terms of you have this new business just a couple months old. My, one of my favorite phrases is your network is your net worth. So what are you, what are you, what's your marketing? What, what are you doing to get the word out, to expand the network of people who know about what you're doing? So I have a few things. Um, I'll go in order, but I'll say the top, top of three things is I, um, so what I did is I sent out a note to my friends that I know are very active with a sport that has a helmet. And I said, Hey, if you drop off your helmet to my house, I will do a free design on it. Whatever you want, send it to as many friends as you want. So that was number one. That's uh, I did that about January, February. I painted on about twenty helmets for free. Okay. okay. Now all I paid for, or the, the only thing that that cost me, is my time and uh, my paints. Okay. Okay. Um, but one, I got to figure out what helmets work with these, mm. like, and what's easier for me to paint on. What do I enjoy? What kind of helmets are these people bringing to me? What kind of designs do they want? Let me practice my technique, et cetera, et cetera. I said, in exchange, I'm going to take your picture and you're going to write me a testimonial. So that's awesome. what it all did. And then I started, so once I launched my website, I let them know I launched it. So whenever anybody comments on it, they know how to find me. So one, it gave me marketing materials. It gave me testimonials, which are huge. You need testimonials, um, especially when you're starting. And I made sure to target completely different social circles that I'm involved with, um, that people would know, um, like somebody different, you know what I'm saying? Not the same group of friends, for example. Um, so that was number one. Number two, I hired a business coach, right? Um, meet with him once a month. He is very successful and, um, he's a good friend of mine. I've seen him start different companies. Um, and I, I, uh, kind of watched him for the past eight years, um, start, fail and start and succeed certain, certain companies. So he gives me advice on 
the things that he knows about and we think very differently. So I chose somebody that doesn't think the same way as me. He um, is super smart, like analytically and system wise. And, you know, he wants to know what, what am I going to do in three years? I'm like, I don't know, you know, but we're so, right. so really good friends that um, it's great. And he helps me think a different way. Um, I have a friend who also helps me with SEO search engine Ooh, optimization. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just not interested in that. So I had a good mentor in my life tell me, uh, you know, you get to the point, just hire out. Like, so think about what you're worth per hour, right? Your investment, hire out the things that take too much time or you don't enjoy. Like even cleaning your house. I know it's weird, but you can find a cheap person to clean your house. But like SEO, I'm, I'm help. Somebody's helping me. She's actually in school for SEO. So we're doing a fun little trade thing, which is pretty neat. Um, so she's able to help me figure out and learn. So she'll be like, oh, that didn't work. Can we try this? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I'm helping her while she's helping me. Um, and there was a third thing on marketing. Oh, this is the, the most important thing. The way that I've been able to work for myself the past, I guess, like eight, nine years, I haven't had a real quote unquote boss, um, is I've chosen things where I sell myself. Okay. And what I'm saying in that is I put myself into everything that I do and it's me. I, I don't do something that doesn't feel right. So I'm not going to go and sell headphones because I don't, I don't care about headphones. Just give me ones that are, that are going to work. I think it's, there's a great skill in that. I'm not dissing that in any ways, but that's not me. That's not Leah, right? I put right. Leah on everything. I'm not hiding who I am and what I'm about. And if you're on my website, my face is on it. Because guess what? That's me, right? And I'm not making it like a self-absorbed type thing. I'm not saying you have to make your image yourself. No, no, not at all. But Knockin' Noggins is Leah. And Leah is Knockin' Noggins. My dog is all over that website. Like it's, it's my brand. I'm making the brand and putting it forward so it's not even selling. It's just like, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I have a helmet company. Uh, here's a story because I'm connected to it. Like I'm trying to help save lives because mine was almost lost from not wearing a piece of plastic. So I think oh. it's just having that deep, deep reason why and have it connected to yourself. Um, and then it's just really easy to talk about, right? And I'm, I'm not trying to sell anything to anybody anymore. Yeah. They just want to buy it. <laughs> Does that make sense? No, no, it's totally. I mean, in your example, what you're saying is that and I think it's, you know, there's, there's some brilliancy in it, which is other, other people could start the exact same business, but what people are buying is the story, is the mission. It's not just the helmet. Right. So think about other companies that have done it. Like, what is it? Um, Tom's right. How did Tom's get popular? Like, Hey, you buy a Tom's like, and we're going to donate one. I, I forgot to tell you, I mean, that's part of knocking noggins is, um, part of the proceeds go to traumatic brain injury research and education programs. Right. So, right. um, this year we're going to be donating scholarship money to, um, the St. David's hospital, um, wow. for people. Cause I was actually gifted part of a scholarship when I was in the hospital, which literally oh, wow. it meant the world to me. Because it's very, very expensive when you get hurt. And to have, to be able to have to decide, hey, do you want some cognitive therapy? Oh, yeah, your insurance doesn't cover it. So give us thousands and thousands of dollars to work on your brain. But, you know, we're going to let you make that decision with a broken brain. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> what? You know what I'm saying? So, sorry, but I didn't mean to interrupt you. 
I meant, no, I said, meant to say that because I have this book right up here. It's it's called Start Something That Matters. Let me make sure I said it right. Yep. Start Something That Matters. It's uh, Blake from Tom's. He wrote that book and um, it's fantastic. And it's all about starting a business with a mission and then it, it becomes no longer about that product. It's about your mission. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think what doesn't Warby... Warbly, Warby Parker do something like that as well. I mean, you're kind of seeing it. Do they do something? Um, yeah, yeah. They, I, I, I want to say they do something like that as well. Where, but I, I mean, I think, I think for a lot of people too. Unfortunately, a lot of people work for either their paycheck or for their health care, um, and they're not really doing their highest calling. Um, for me, you know, I was lucky enough to f- find mine, which is I tell stories through cameras. Um, but I'm finding a second one now, which is education, um, and helping people on their journey, right? For me, I can only, there's only one of me and I can only do so much in a year, but if I can help train and help educate and help inspire others, then those stories get told. So now instead of just me, if I can t- train 10 people, now it's 10X. If I can, if I can help and educate and inspire 100 people, now it's 100X. And so if we, can get, if we can get 100 people a year, like following their passions and their pursuits, but doing it in a responsible way, just saying, go follow your passion, I think is a little bit treacherous, which is there's the whole point of this podcast is, okay, cool. How do you make money at the thing you wanna do so that you can do more of it? Right. So many times people ask me like, oh, man, I got a job at IBM, you know, but I, you know, I, or whatever tech company. And but I want to do photography full time or I want to, you know, paint full time or I want to do that. And it's like, well, and, and you kind of touched on this earlier as well, where it was, you know, having that yin and yang, where doing that other thing until it becomes overpowering. Uh, I tell people, use your use your, you know, your nine to five job as your angel investor. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Use that until the other thing takes off and you have to quit. Exactly. And like in finding ways around um, big startup costs, like I was talking about, I could have easily bought 30 helmets, which would have put me out a little bit of money there. But instead, just give me ones that are already there. And then I'm and I already have the people. So as opposed to, you know, getting these helmets, making them, sending them to people, hoping they fit, hoping they like the style, hoping they do this. It's like, give me what you like. Tell me what you want. Boom. And that's also been, you know, because like I said, I, I, I've done art for a while. So people do know me as um, a, an artist. So that that has helped me. So I think finding a little niche of something that maybe you're already known for or get yourself known for it. So if you want to start a, um, let's say a, uh, adult coloring book or something. Well, <laughs> but I, you, but you work at Dell. I don't know that you like to doodle. So on your Instagram, start posting pictures, start posting pictures of little things that you're drawing and be like, Hey, do you like where this is going? See, see what happens. Um, in any of your ways that you're doing, they don't need to know what your vision is. Maybe that's going to help you find your vision, but you're not going to know unless you put it out there and see and again, you can't think too much about what people think, however, but start what you want to be known as, start doing it, start dressing the part, start acting the part, start talking about it. It's not cheesy carsman salesmanship. It's just, hey, what do you do? Well, I really like this. Don't lead with, well, I work a nine to five if that's not what you like. 
So I, yeah. It's, it, it's kind of the great Ouija board of success. You have all these hands on you, right? All the people in your life and you're kind of guiding all those hands to a different letter, right? You're kind of, you know, going in that direction. You can't do it. The, the thing doesn't move on its own. It's everybody kind of like, you listen to a little bit of everybody and take their best. And you're like, oh, look, this spells out photography. This spells out painting, right? This is a great Ouija board of success. It takes everybody and kind of, and sometimes it's, you got to get rid of some people and get new hands on the little, I don't know what you call it, the little puck or whatever, you know, but it's finding. But yes, I know. I, it, I like your analogy. You got You got to find that, that group, right? Finding your group is hard. Yeah. Finding um, your tribe is that's I, th- I also thought it was very instructive that you sought out people that weren't like you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think it took me, it took me a while. I, I was always told if you find somebody just like you, why do you need the other person? Right. If, if it's somebody just like you that thinks like you, why do you need them? Why, why hire them? Right. You need, you need people who don't think like you, who offer new skills. Yep. And, but I don't, that also, you know, uh, warrant, warrant of warning is also find people that you mesh with, right? That you, oh, you yeah, can have yeah, that, yeah. you know, you don't have to find somebody that's completely opposite and be like, Ooh, this is what I was told. I mean, somebody that you can mesh with that's going to communicate your communication styles. Those should probably be pretty well the same. However, the way that you think needs to be different because I, mean, I am very on that creative side and you know, us creatives, we can be a little, um, a little overly excited without the <laughs> follow up as much punctual. Um, I'm pretty good at that. My parents really engraved that in me, but a lot of creatives aren't the most punctual. I am early to everything. You are. You are very punctual, but you know exactly what I mean. Oh, I know. I know exactly. It, it, it frustrates all my friends. We'll try to hire people and they show up like an hour late. You're like, what are you doing? No, you got to show up on time. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say, oh, my friend's coming. Oh, but she's a creative. So, and they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, oh, she's just a little flaky, but she's great. She'll be here. <laughs> your, your, to me, your best ability is your availability. <laughs> that's good though. That's true. Yeah. Always be there. Always be there. Yeah. If you're there, that's like show, literally showing up on time is like 50% of every job. Like show up on time, deliver goods on time. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty, uh, that's, that's pretty fundamental. No, but you talk about hiring people that you don't want to do. The first, the first thing I hired was a bookkeeper, like with it, within like six months of starting in my company, I was like, Nope, don't want to do this all by myself. Let's hire a bookkeeper and then an accountant. Those are the first two things I hired. I have an accountant. You know, one of the things that changed my life is, um, a business credit card and I specifically use chase. Um, okay. I'm a plug-in, but I'm just letting you know what works for me because it auto categorizes. So at the end yeah. of the year, I just give my statement to my um, CPA. So I no longer need a bookkeeper because it's all categorized for me already. So, and nice. I only put business expenses on my business credit card. Um, yeah. I'm the kind of girl who cries when it comes to tax time. Um, I'm also a 1099. So, um, once you switch over to that world, it's no longer fun to do taxes. You're not like, Oh, how much do I get back? You're like, Oh, I hope it's going to be a four digit number instead of a five digit number. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I've, so (laughs) (laughs) Azulox has been a company for 12 years now. So starting our 12th year. Yeah. Starting our 12th year. Um, I haven't gotten money back from the government since I was like 19. Like it's, yeah, I've always had something going on on the side and it hurts. Um, yeah, I've, I've had some five digit years. 
Um, well, and I have to do sales tax as well. Um, it's, it's, it's really not, but I mean, it's something I have to do. So one of my favorite business success letters I ever got was from the Travis County tax authority person or whatever. And the letter started, congratulations, Mr. Baker, your business is so successful. You get to do sales tax monthly instead of quarterly. Oh. Yay. So yeah, we have to, we have to, you know, I mean, I charge sales tax, so I just remit it back, but you know, being, res- sorry, it's more money, but still, right. It's, yeah. You know, being responsible enough to not spend that, you know, eight and a quarter every month, um, make sure it goes. But yeah, separating your, your business and like for me, starting an LLC um, so that there's all of that, like get those things done because you don't want, you know, you don't want something to happen to your personal house and car because something in your business happened. Um, yeah, my best friend is also my lawyer. So I trade headshots for, for, for law stuff every year. I think that's great. And the LLC is a great thing. Because um, once it, if it ever becomes a problem for something, it's no longer in that person's hands on what happens. It's insurance companies versus insurance companies versus this. And nobody cares who you are. So putting that LLC just protects all of that for you. Yeah. So. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, well, you know, I, can I say one last thing? Yeah, I was going to ask you, please say like one last thing. I, 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 there's one thing that um, I wanted to go back to real quick is you were talking, you know, a lot of people have a eight to five for a paycheck or for insurance. Now, yeah. the one one thing is I have private health care. Okay, so I'm a 1099 with my other job. So I have private health care. I think it's something that I never really thought about doing until somebody's like, hey, I use private health care, you should use it. It's just like a normal, it's like Cigna, it's a normal company. Um, however, it's through a private corporation, not through um, the government or anything. And, mm-hmm. um, it's a little bit cheaper, but it's a little more like catastrophe insurance, so not everything is covered. However, I had that when I got hurt, and I had about a half million dollars in medical bills after my accident, um, and my insurance company paid like 95% of it, or wow. like 90% of it, so 90-95, so something terrible happened. And I, and I had this private health care that people are like, ooh, so like, I'm, I'm not saying quit your job and don't do insurance. Just know that like, if if the insurance is your reason for staying, I think some of that is just coming from being scared, right? Know that there's other options out there that really do work. Um, yeah. And you don't just have to stay there for your company to give you that insurance. Cause you're really only paying a couple another like $100 a month or whatever to be able to have your freedom and work for yourself. Well, that's, that's something that the ACA changed. Um, I, I don't even know if you know, I had a business partner and he got killed last year. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, yeah. I, I ran into you at a yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but he had in his early twenties, he had a melanoma on his neck and he was, he's fine. Um, but he literally, he was making, he was a software engineer and he was making six figures and he wanted to get private health insurance because he was a 1099. And because he had a pre-existing condition, he was like, I don't care what it costs. Tell me the cost and I will write you a check. And they said, no, it, it literally didn't matter for no amount of money. Could he get insurance? And it that, was, right. Right. So, so because of the ACA, um, that's honestly, it allowed us. So my wife is a teacher, but for two years, she stayed home with my youngest and, we had ACA insurance. And so we just, you know, we paid, but you know, that's something that has changed. And to me, it, to really unlock the potential of 
this country. Um, taking healthcare away from employment, I think, would be a huge benefit because so many people are working a job, you know, for the healthcare, and we could just have the healthcare. I mean, we would still pay for it, but it just like pre-existing conditions. Like yeah, it can get political real quick because I mean, it's, it, and it's not political. Just like take, you know, it, we still we would still pay for it. It's not it's not even that, but just. Pre-existing conditions, right? No, I, I'm 100% on the same page as you, but I, yeah. I think there it's a, there, it's a way to keep people stuck to doing sure. something that helps the country move forward. That's what I mean. Like, I can get all political about it because I, know, I agree with you 100%, and that's kind of why I want people to know there's other options out there. Like, there's yeah. other options out there. You don't have to spend $800 a month on healthcare. Yeah. I'm, I'm very pro-business. I just, I, I want... I want to make business easier. Yes. Yes. And as a business owner, like if I have employees, I would want it to be as easy as possible uh, to get things taken care of. But that's not a political statement. I just, I want businesses to do the things they do best because that's the basis of capitalism. Do what you do best, hire the rest. Boom. Mic drop. Boom. Mic drop. Boom. That's right. Um, Malia, thank you so much for your time. It's so good to see you. Welcome. It's so good to see you too. I um I need to come take pictures of some of your helmets for you. I need, I need Yeah, I would love that. Let's let's set something up. Also, I've been doing some really crazy yoga photos and I didn't know you did yoga, so I'm going to do some crazy yoga photos for you too sometime. I've had this photography idea for years. I I don't know if I've told you this. Um, no. so so here's the Hold thing. It and, out then, on me. and then okay, I'm going to tell you and then I do need to get going to a therapy appointment. Uh, a okay. brain therapy thing. It's for my brain. So, but so seeing Leah or model or whoever, um, in white, like, you know, uh, yoga pants, crop top, and there's okay. paint around. There's also like, like paint cans. There's also like dumbbells or a sandbell or yoga, whatever it is. And you start all white and then slowly it's red paint. And then you do something and the red paint gets on you and then you change color paint and then that gets on you. And then it'll, and it's like a series of just getting destroyed. And then at the end, I'm just all painted from head to toe. I was thinking of a way to merge my passions of fitness and. If you have a, if you have a place to do that, I will, I will do it tomorrow. I just need to figure out where I could do that. Right. That's, that's the, that's what I said. If you can find a place, I I will absolutely do it. I think it would just be like building something um, that would protect it from other things. Right. Yeah. I would want to get like the paint in the air, right. Capturing the paint, like flying. Okay, that's just that I that's like a crazy idea I've had, but I'm I would love to to do a project. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well we're gonna end there. We could talk more, but we're gonna end there. This has been episode nine of the Make 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 Podcast. Um, I'm Josh Baker. You can find us at make 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 podcast.com. And also if you want to support all of our work that we do, look at patreon.com slash Azulox. All of our educational work has been going there. Um, so yeah. Leah, thank you so much for your time, and I hope you have a good brain day. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And I'll, I'll get this.